You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Uh, Derek, how'd your week go? It was pretty good. It was, I uh, just finished off a uh, May 2 4 long weekend, went uh, camping at Sandbanks. It was pretty nice. Tent camping? Uh, sort of. It was RV camping. <laughs> so you didn't take your new tent to try it out? No, I didn't take the new tent to try it out. It was, uh, it, we, we went with friends. We, uh, we stayed in their RV and we got to do a lot of hiking during the day at Sandbanks. It was, yeah, I've never been in the area before. It was really, really nice. So you went glamping? Went glamping. But I did do a walkthrough about, uh, looking at some of the different locations where you could pitch a tent. It's, uh, the area is really, really nice. Sandy? And very sandy, yes. It is very sandy. <laughs> Take the canoe? Uh, no, no. Just because we're with uh, other people, we we uh, just did the group thing with the RV, right? You could have left them. We could have left them. We could have. <laughs> <laughs> but we also had the kids with us, and we, we tried to keep it simple. It would say it was a spring trip. It ended up, the weather was it ended up being fantastic. Like, yeah, the highs we, of like 24. It was really nice out. But, uh, you know, I sat around... And looking at uh, some maps and planning a couple of uh, backcountry trips. How exciting. And whatnot. And one of the things I was looking at <clears throat> when I was uh, looking at the maps, look at a couple of routes through Algonquin Park and maybe hitting a couple of lakes I've never never hit before. Um, looking up through Tomogamy at a couple of Tomogamy maps and even into to Quetico. Uh, one of the things I noticed about Algonquin, and I've known them, they I know they're there is the backcountry ranger cabins. You've never stayed in one? I was in one once, a while back, uh, a crow lake, um, a big crow. And uh, I've never, I've never really seen the appeal to going on a canoe trip to stay in a cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I figure if I'm going that way, I'm going to, I might as well just take a tent and stay in a tent. It's cheaper. I, I've done, I've stayed in cabins a couple of times in Algonquin Park. Uh, I think the first time I stayed in a cabin was, uh, it was the first group Algonquin Adventures weekend trip that we did. So we stayed at the cabin for the first two nights and then we joined up with the group from Algonquin Adventures and uh, it, it was nice. It was it was it was an interesting change to a normal trip because normally I always do tenting, but we decided well let's check out these cabins. And it was midweek, so there was an opening because normally you got to book five months in advance for if if you want to even touch on a weekend for a cabin. But uh, we stayed at midweek. I think we did two nights, and uh, I can't remember the lake that that was on. But we've also stayed at the McCraney Lake cabin. And that was nice too. And we just, it was just, uh, I think we did one night there. We, it was part of the trip. We paddled in, stayed the one night and then moved on and did like four or five other nights, uh, in other, on other lakes. But it was, it was interesting. It was nice. They have like fireplaces or wood stoves. And so it was, it was an interesting addition to the trip. Well, I can see if you're doing, um, you're on a canoe trip and it just has to be on your route. Okay, then maybe, yeah, you know what? You take one night and you do it in the cabin and you're not setting up the tent and mm-hmm. something a bit different, right? And, and the thing about the Algonquin Park cab, backcountry ranger cabins is their historical exactly. ranger cabins. There is some historical significance. Yeah, and but I know people that'll go to these cabins and they, they paddle in a day to, you know, to the cabin and they stay there all day or, you know, all week sort of deal and then paddle back out. Mm-hmm. I, that's just not my... My cup of tea. Yeah, I probably wouldn't make it the sole trip unless I it, like. There's a. I have considered bringing my parents, and they're getting elderly. They're not big on a lot of this stuff. But I have thought about going into the like. Uh, there's one where it's drive-in access. I think there's Rain Lake, and there's a couple others. And Kitty I thought, Lake, I think, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, you know, my parents, they're not going to get in a canoe, but at least I could get them into Algonquin Park to introduce them to what I'm enjoying out there, right? Right. So I've thought about doing that with my parents. Well, yeah, you know what? And if it's a drive-in one, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the ones. Now, I've known people that have gone to the Birch Cliff. Um, oh, that's way out there. Yeah, yeah. It takes like two days to get to that yeah. one. Yeah. And they spend their time there. But, again, if I'm going all that distance, I'm thinking I'm just going to keep on going and make a big loop or something. Yeah. Um, 
they've also I know somebody's gone to the High View Ranger cabin, um, that sort of thing. And while I'm looking at these, I'm looking around at different park systems and whatnot, and it seems to be that there's a lot of these little cabins around in different national parks, provincial parks, stuff like that. Um, the I also found one up in was it Kenai Peninsula up in Alaska. Okay. There's a bunch of them up there. And, I mean, a couple of the ones I was looking at were saying, yeah, you know, it's like a, a day's paddle in, mm-hmm. you know. So you take a day and you paddle in and stay the night and then maybe continue on. Well, that would be interesting because I know Alaska, I'd be really nervous about the bears up in Alaska. <laughs> so if you're in a cabin, there's a little bit of, there's a there's a factor of safety involved. Well, that, but, <laughs> I mean, people do camp up there, right? Yeah, yes, they do. And I'm noticing that all the cabins that are basically up on these canoe routes and, and stuff, they're they're just small, bare bones, like anywhere from 50, 14, 15, 16 by 18 exactly. feet, you know, a um, couple of bunks, no mattresses, a wood stove. You, you still got to bring all your cooking gear and all that sort the of thing. The only thing you're anyway. not using is the tent. Otherwise, it's it's you're bringing everything else that you would normally bring. Yeah, yeah. It really, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know Boundary Waters Canoe Area in Minnesota. I did see one, um, a yurt, which is, I mean, basically a cloth. Yes. <laughs> a cloth cabin. Yes, and like, uh, was it, uh, there's, a, there's a couple access... Ca- uh, campgrounds in Algonquin that also have yurts. Yeah. And you see a lot, it's, it's, they're actually quite popular down in, in the States with a lot of the parks. They, they do supply yurts for seasonal camping. Well, I, you know what? The cabins I think would be great. You know, we talk about the, the shoulder seasons and that, um, you know, going in, in the fall. You know, when the weather's a bit yes. more unpredictable. The temperature's turning and colder at night. And, and you know, if, if uh, it's, for me, it's like, well, it's almost like a perk on the camping trip. You got a wood stove, you got nice and warm at night, but you're still out camping and you're enjoying paddling on the water. And it's like, you get to park yourself in a seat to get at a table with a nice wood stove. It's, it's a different perk. It's a different uh, way of doing things. So it's, you know, change of pace. Yeah. When you mentioned your parents, uh, maybe you know, taking them out sort of thing. And I guess maybe people that are new to camping and haven't really tried it. Get it's good them, introductory, yes. Get them canoeing for a day and stay at a, at a, a cabin. Yeah, and Algonquin has, I think there's three or four that are drive-in access cabins. And the rest of them are like, you know, one or two days in, like short paddles in for access. And then there's a few that it's a multi-day, multi-portage cabin access. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that spread. If somebody's nervous about animals and, and whatnot, then it, it gives them the opportunity to try the backcountry out with that little bit of mental uh, comfort of knowing that you're you're somewhat protected from the elements or from animals and whatnot. Yeah. Now, when I was doing a bit of the the research on this, the cabins in Algonquin um, were basically falling apart and weren't being up capped and and at one point back in the history they burned a lot of them yes and it's a lot of effort and time and money to maintain these cabins and before they came like it's only recently in the last 20 years or so that that a lot of people are going oh these are we're running out of these cabins or there's a historical element to them yeah like like i said before that they would uh, it's something the roof's caving in or whatever it's getting old okay so they'll go in the back country and they'd burn these things down and you can't disassemble them or remove them out because it's it's too expensive to be pulling this stuff and plus it's a log cabin yeah so quite a few of them were destroyed and i'm not sure how many there were used to be in the back country but there used to be i think several hundred wasn't there, it? Oh, there was lots and lots and lots. I mean, these guys used to to walk <clears> and stuff and uh, go from cabin to cabin yes. in the winters, right? So it was their patrols. And, yeah. And so the, there was a few fire towers in Algonquin Park. So there was a ranger cabin you'd have access to and you'd do the fire patrol and go to the the, the towers. And But these cabins, like like I said, they've, they've lost. Now they have air patrol, so you don't need a lot of these these remote accesses. Yeah, and there was the road, the highway coming through, and 
and whatnot and the logging and yeah, you don't need all these interior uh, cabins anymore. Mm -hmm. But they started the Ranger re uh, cabin rental program in 1996 and they only restored select cabins. Um, and they were, they say the wood stoves and chimneys were upgraded to modern safety standards and a uh, couple new roofs. And it's all volunteer uh, was started all this volunteer work, getting it okay. all going and, and whatnot. Um, but there's a, there's a nice little chain of them now that you can go back country and, and I guess I should take a peek at the map. You know, Jeffrey's map has them all listed, but I'm sure there's some sort of route that yeah, you could do. I've never thought of that. There probably is. Start out, you know, maybe at the paddling a couple of days to the Birchcliff cabin, then around to another one and another one and another one. So, I mean, like I say, the only difference is you're, you're not taking a tent. Well, I guess you'd have to take the tent. If you'd have to. There's uh, there's section like to get up to the Birchcliff. It's a long slog to get to Birchcliff. Mm -hmm. So there there'd be some tenting along the way, unless you're going to do like a Brent Run type of uh, all nighter trying to get to these cabins. Yeah. Now there is a book about the 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 early Rangers, um, and these cabins and a few rustic huts, uh, by Sandy Gage, and it basically talks about the cabins mm -hmm. and, and the Rangers used to use them. Um, but you, you know, and, and again, the, the ranger cabins there, they'll have, uh, regulations, you know, they're only, only rent them from the last Friday in April to the, to the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Yes. So there's no winter camping. No. And I and find that unfortunate. I've always thought it would be nice to be able to snowshoe in or, or cross country ski into a cabin and have a, a decent warm cabin to, to sleep a night and do a day trip in, day trip out type thing. There's some of them that are easily accessible that way. And it, I always thought it was unfortunate that, you know, Thanksgiving comes rather early in Canada. And, and so there's a good portion of fall and early winter where you no longer have access to these ranger cabins. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess they're just worried about people going in with the unprepared for the cold waters and exactly it's and it's yeah and you know so the the risk of having to go and and rescue or save somebody that did get themselves into trouble in these backcountry cabins yeah and uh, cabins are not equipped with any dishes or pots or pans so again you got to bring your own gear smoking is prohibited naturally know. they don't want them to burn down pets are not uh, uh, allowed do they actually inside say that? or outside. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Pets are not allowed inside cabins nor on the site. You cannot stay at one of our cabins with a pet. Makes sense though. Yeah. Well, you know, allergies and people, yep. you know, they let the dogs run around and whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And there's, I suppose there's enough wildlife and mice and whatever running around the cabins as it is, let alone having people bring their dogs in. Yeah. And then you can, you can, re you can reserve them online. Um, I yeah. do know that if you're going to reserve a cabin, you have to, it, it, like there's a, you can, throughout the season, you can find a fair amount of availability midweek. And just, just every year I look at the cabins and look at booking them, but you have to book them like five months in advance for weekends. Like yeah. it's Well, just, that's, that's even some of the. They're very popular. Yeah. That's even the uh, Highway Camp 60 campgrounds. Exactly. Like Pog, we love Pog Lake. And to go there with with the kids when they were you know younger, yeah, um, that was a perfect spot for us. But then I mean that just gets re uh, reserved so fast. Yes, you end up at one of the other campgrounds if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but the, yeah, there's five cabins in Algonquin Park that are accessible by vehicle: the Kiosk uh, Cabin, Brent Brent Deputy Cabin, Rain Lake Cabin, and Bissett Creek uh, Road Cabin. Other are accessible, accessible only by canoe. Does it say how many cabins in total there are? Um, no. I think there's like, there's, there's a well, couple dozen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Oh, is that it? It looks like, yeah. I thought there's more than that. Yeah, I know. It looks like there's only 14 of them hmm. here. Um, but yeah, it's just, and, and there's check-in times and check-out times and, uh, if a cabin cannot be accessed within one day's travel, a separate backcountry camping permit is and required. reservation are required. Yes. Uh, by dates not covered at the cam, cam, uh, cabin rental. So, yeah, you know what? It seems like... Now, I mean, we do a lot of camping in Algonquin Park. 
And so I don't know that I'd, I'd necessarily go here for a cabin. But when I'm looking at the Kenai Peninsula up in Alaska. Yeah, that sounds interesting. It does. And You're talking then, airfare too, but still, it's it sounds ah, interesting. airfare. It's just <laughs> south of uh, Anchorage. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, fly out that way, drive on up or something, rent a car, mm-hmm. drive on up. Um, bus it up, whatever. I'm sure it's not unique amongst, well, like what you were used to is Algonquin Park. So now we see Algonquin Park in Kenai. And so I'm sure it's not unique. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are aware of other cabins on paddling routes that are available for rentals. And I've seen myself when I've looked in the past that there's there's a lot of Airbnb cabins. There's a lot of, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's WRVO or something. There's a, this backcountry cabin rental agency. So if you're in the backwoods of Alaska, somewhere's on a, you can rent your cabin through this online agency. And so anywhere you go, there's, there's backcountry cabins available to people. Yeah. I was looking at some of these cabins though. They're not cabins. <laughs> some of them are full on houses. Oh man. These are <laughs> full on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know what? Now, if you're doing that, you're not camping. Mm-hmm. You're not even close to camping. You're, you might as well be <laughs> at a cottage or, you know, that's, that's what those are. Uh, you look at some of these things and they're just, they've got every, they got flush toilets. Yes. You know? Um, but no, you get these little, little bare bones cabins that you can stop in on your route as you're tripping through. And I mean, some of these even, you know, are, are the ones I was looking up in Alaska. You, it doesn't, you don't even need to be doing a, a canoe trip. I mean, you can get these by, by kayak. Yes. You know? Yes. So, and you just go from one to one sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely it's, it's something to, to look into, I guess. But like I say, I'm, I guess if, if I was worried about bears, you know, up in Alaska, or if I was worried about weather. Are you just looking for a change of pace? Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe look into one, but right now, <laughs> you're, you're sounding kind of old. So maybe this is up your alley. Well, no, I've, I've rented <laughs> before and, and, you know, it may not be paddling, but I've gone into the Rocky Mountains and there's so Alpine Club of Canada has a series of backcountry huts that you can rent. And this is a hut that sleeps like, you know, eight or six people. So you're not always, it's not always private. You're, you're in a bunk, backcountry bunk situation, unless other people don't show up. But there's a lot of, uh, remote rustic cabins available across Canada. Like I know in the Rocky Mountains, there's a lot of them. And again, it's not may necessarily be a paddling route, but they are available and they're rustic and you know, when you're in the mountains on a glacier or something, it's nice to have something secure that you can sleep in. Yeah, when you're looking at the pricing too, I mean, it, it is a lot more expensive than taking your tent. Absolutely, absolutely. So you can go backcountry camping for like 12 bucks a night or it was 18 now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And but I mean, compared to the Brent Ranger cabin at $134 a night. Yes, you're, you're talking <laughs> a hotel room for a rustic cabin. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, <clears throat> a bit brazy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you know what? Like, hey, if somebody offers to pay for it all, I'll maybe take them up on it. But I think I'll look into if there's a circle, like a, a loop we can do. In Algonquin? In Algonquin, just hitting, if it is possible, just to hit cabin after cabin after cabin. I'd be interested to do that. Yeah, it, it, the, uh, I'll have to dig out uh, Jeffrey's map. But uh, even other spots, northern Ontario... Yes. You know, like, like I say, my big thing when I'm thinking about the cabins is sort of a rest day thing. Yeah. It's nice to have a, a nice solid surface, a nice chair to sit in. And you usually you're after sitting in camp chairs or sitting on logs, you kind of get tired of sitting on the ground all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know what? I think if, if I can find a route where, you know, if I'm on a, a 10 day trip, maybe day five and day eight, you hit a couple of <laughs> yeah. cabins or something for the overnighters or something day. like that. Yeah, rest exactly. days. You know, maybe that's that's the time you got to swing through there and uh, see what happens. But um, definitely uh, this Alaska <laughs> thing, I think. Uh, and now I get my curiosity peaked. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're heading north, young man. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'll uh, take a peek in this, maybe uh, a couple of cabins further abroad. Mm-hmm. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. 
Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. While I was checking out my uh, canoe maps, somebody had heard that I was looking at new, you know, going for a canoe trip. And of course, I got that question that we're asked many, many times, are you not afraid of the bears? Yeah, you get that a lot, eh? It's, I do. Uh, it surprises me how much and how nervous people are with the bears. Yeah, and we're, that, as, as a canoe tripper, you get that all the time. It's it's like the number one question. Was there, I, in my mind, with the way I put it, and it's it's really hard to put it in the back of your mind, especially when you're sleeping in a, you're basically a pinata inside a, you know, a fabric sack waiting for the bears to eat you but really when it comes down to bear attacks it's you there's i think there's a greater chance of getting struck by lightning or yeah, a plane it's, crash it's on your campsite it's rare mm-hmm. that you, you that the bear attacks the, the the rating of predatory bears is so minimal that it's as far as i know from from what i've learned over the years i think there's only been one predatory bear attack in algonquin park that was, um, that was in the 80s or the 70s? Somebody wrote a two, book on it. Yeah, something like that. There's, it's only been a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I'm wary and cautious of the bears. Oh, absolutely. But I'm not frightened enough to, you know, not be go. sitting at home. Yes. You know, I'm not going to let that um, deter me from, from going on a, on a trip. But what I'm thinking when, when people are asking this is, I think maybe we need to change our statement to, are you not lucky to see them? Does that make sense? Would you not consider yourself lucky to see the bears? I, at a distance, I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that can be said for all the wildlife that you see while you're out on the water. Uh because you go out there and yeah, oh, you know, that's cool. You saw a moose and you saw a loon and you saw, um, you know, a deer and a fox and, and a, you know, like a raccoon or whatever. Well, why not bears too? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you don't want it. You don't want all these things coming up to you in the middle of your camp campsite. And, yeah. You know. I, I guess it's the risk and the possibility of, of, uh, injury. Like if you come across a, uh. A porcupine, or you know, come across a fox, the risk of injury is is lessened. Uh, but with a bear, everybody think, oh, the the risk of being eaten alive by a bear. But honestly, like you have greater risk of becoming disabled and injured from uh, from the black legged tick and getting uh, Lyme disease. That is a huge risk as compared to a bear attack. So you think it's just based on size? It's based on because a moose a can fear. stomp you. Oh. Moose. Yeah, uh, you know. moose are super dangerous. I yeah. think there's more risk of being injured by a moose than there is anything in Oakland Park. Mm-hmm. The moose are, you're very, especially if you're in the rutting season, like the risk is so high for moose attacks. If you come across a moose on a portage and, and he's in full rut, look out. Now we've come across moose on portage before and they see you and you just stand still and they continue on their way. Exactly. You know, I've, I've come across bear scat on a portage, fresh steaming. (laughs) 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 I was on a late uh, fall day trip and uh, hit a portage and, and yeah, it was steaming. So you knew he was still there. Yeah. He knew you were there too. He knew I was there too. And, uh, I'm sure he was peeking at me out from behind a tree somewhere off in in the little distance there. But I come to think that. You go out to get back to nature, and I, I'd be more than happy to see a bear. 
Uh, and again, like not right, you know, standing yeah, beside again. me going, hey, <laughs> exactly. it's in your picnic basket. Um, but I mean, it's no different to me. It's no different than canoeing across a lake through a marsh and seeing a moose. Yes. Or down a river and seeing a deer, you know, drinking from the water. Or sitting at your campsite and seeing a snake or a chipmunk or squirrel. It's always exciting to see animal in the flora and fauna. It's just to be out there, to be amongst the wild. And that's why we go out there. It we is. want to experience this. We, we're looking for these experiences. I'm starting to, to wonder why people put so much emphasis on, well, aren't you afraid of bears? Mm-hmm. Well, people think of bears as predatory animals. And I think, I think one of the big things is it's, uh, in multimedia and movies and in stories nowadays, when, when you see stories in the media of about, you know, when bears attack and, and stuff like that, it's always trumped up. And it's one more thing that, you know, somebody's trying to sell on a paper, somebody's trying to put advertising on their website. They're always pushing this thing. Right. So I think it's, it's just the natural way of the way we do things as humans that we're always trying to find that edge or trying to scare the next person right like how many times do you tell a you know a scary story around the campfire and you try and make it scary and you know people always i've heard many people to tell big scary bear stories right it's it's just what we do as humans but you think about algonquin park there's bears that wander around by themselves and there's packs of wolves Yes. So why is it not, well, scary? aren't wolves. you afraid of the pack of wolves <laughs> coming after you? <laughs> because they see you as a food source. They would. Well, and, and it's a pack. <laughs> it's not one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I've been thinking about this uh, a lot lately. And it's like, you know what? I'm just there to see the animals, any kind of animals. And, and I'm happy to see them. And uh, I consider myself lucky to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, you know, you think about the stuff you've seen and you you don't even have to go far away to see the animals. Like, you don't have to go on an interior trip. Just paddling your, your kayak and your canoe through local waters. Uh, you're you're going to see wildlife. Oh, absolutely. You're I mean, just, just turtles and snakes. Yeah, and... ducks, geese, swans. Uh, down by the lake, we get cormorants. Uh, I've seen an otter, muskrats, beaver. Uh, deer, raccoons, chipmunks, squirrels, and the um, this little conservation area. I've even seen turkeys. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And this is just local stuff, and you're on the water, and you're seeing this sort of stuff. But yeah, if you go back further afield, you know, away from civilization, you're going to see the the bigger things. And I've come <clears throat> across moose and bears, wolves, eagles, osprey. Partridge, grouse, martins, fox. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a martin. No? Never seen a martin. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool looking animal. Maybe I'm not quiet enough. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you're just not special enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you're sitting at camp or, you know, you're just having a shore lunch somewhere, you know, you see the snakes and mice, moles, shrews, yeah. you know, salamanders, and tons of little birds. You know, this is all wildlife that you're out there seeing, and, and people really don't think about that. Uh, you know, and they uh, they get one of the biggest animals, and they attribute it to huge everything. Danger. Yes, to it. Mm-hmm. Yet when you look at all the animals around you, you're you're staying in the house because of the because bears. of one, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we scared everybody, because they're, they're going to be looking at every under every rock and yeah. <laughs> and tree now. Uh, if you and if you want to get more involved in what's living in the area around you when you're out there, you can even get in with the the insects. Think about the butterflies, the dragonflies, damselflies, and even the big old bumblebees. You you, you remind me of. Uh... There's a display at the Visitor Center in Algonquin Park, and they talk about, and they compare it to, I wish I could remember the details, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with this. I'm going to say there's a certain weight per square kilometer. So, and so they have these sizes of, uh, oh, diagrammatic sizes. Yes. So it's like a, a large mouse, 
and a tiny bear and a fairly large moose. So for per square kilometer Algonquin Park, and they have these, it's a... Isn't pic- a bug or something? Like there's some sort of bug that's huge. Yeah. So like for what you have out there, like the bears are so, there's so few bears really. If you took a person, if you took all the wildlife in a square kilometer or something like that it is. Yeah, and made it and you made and you and you ganged wise. up all of the same species together. Yeah. You get this this bug which is like dwarf everything, <laughs> everything else. else. Yeah, by weight or whatever. <laughs> by by just the sheer numbers yeah. that are that <laughs> are in, that are in there. Yeah, it was an interesting perspective when I saw this. Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I I know the the I know the display you're talking about mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the what the, the, the biggest it's one like is. It's like by weight or by count or yeah. by uh, numbers, something. Yeah. But it was interesting to look at. But it at. sure isn't bears. No, it sure isn't bears. So, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there about bears. Uh, one of the good ones, um, if we're talking about Algonquin, is Mike McIntosh runs Bear with a Sanctuary and Rehabilitation Center for Bears. Um, you can't go and visit it, Um on site, it's it, you have to check their website out because they care for bears, they care for cubs, bear cubs that are brought to them because the mother was killed or they're injured, and they have very little contact with the animals because they're raising them, feeding them until they're big enough to be placed back into the wilderness. Yes. So you can't go and uh, you can't show up there and and expect a tour to see all the bears. Because they even, from from reading their website, that they even keep themselves out of view of the bears as much as possible. Any pictures and that are all from remote cameras. And they're at bearwithus.org. They have a section in there called Understanding Bears, which is worth the read. And it tells you about bears and how rare it is to um, get attacked and... Uh, yeah, full, full blown bear attacks uh, by black bears are rare. And that's what they're talking about is the black bears, which are here in Ontario. And it's, it's very interesting read. And I think once you, once you wrap your head around it, um, I think, I think people need to start thinking that aren't you afraid of the bears is, is really outdated. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's, it's not enough. It, to make you stay at home anymore and it shouldn't if you if you think about you, you know you're doing the right thing by staying home so you won't think you won't see the bears as i say just think of everything else that you won't be seeing <laughs> yes you're gonna miss a lot you definitely do and i mean you know what there's some things like i was on a portage uh by mccraney in algonquin and came face to face with a black wolf i think he was as stupefied as I was. And <laughs> I've never seen a wolf. That is one experience I will never forget. It's different. It would be it different. It really is. The one time that I thought I saw a wolf, it was it was a Father's Day weekend trip that we did. And we I remember there was a commotion in the middle of the night. And we looked out <laughs> with flashlights. And yes, we've talked about we this. We thought it was a wolf. And we <laughs> looked over. Bell. And we, with a bear, it's like, why does that bear have a bear bell tied to him? But it turns out it was the campers at the neighboring campsite. And they just, they let their dogs run free in the yeah. middle of the night. Scared the bejesus out of us. Yeah, it was the uh, what, Great Dane with the bear bell next to yeah. the wolf that <laughs> kind of threw it. But yeah, you know what? The, the amount of animals that you can see out there from little tiny things to great big moose are fantastic. It's a nice, it's, I've always excited. It doesn't matter what I see. I'm always excited to see any me, any yeah. wildlife Even animals. all the birds. I mean, I've sat at a campsite and, you know, just relaxing with my eyes closed on a bench or against a tree. And you just hear all the little yes. songbirds back in the woods. Of all the nice animals that day. you've seen in the backcountry... What is the most that you've ever seen? Like, you think of all the encounters you've ever had. Uh, we were up in Hailstorm Creek. I took a buddy up for a, a weekend trip. Um, Hailstorm Creek is off Opiongo in Algonquin Park. And they say it is has the densest population of moose in North America mm-hmm. in the spring. And this was a June trip. And we pulled it, came in 
to this, uh, the bay, and we videotaped 34 moose. Uh, how many? 34. Really? Moose. All in one visual All location? in one big... Yeah, we're, we're turning the canoe, and we're just videotaping, and one goes right past, like swims right across the bay in front of us. Wow. It was, we're just stunned. That was insane. Absolutely stunned. That's insane. Yeah. And it's not hard to get to. Like, this is huh. coming up in in a couple of weeks' time. Hmm. Well, that's wild. That would yeah. have been weird to see. Well, they were wild, yeah. It'd be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just at, we go, well, we went down the, there's a little, when you enter the bay just before, there's a little creek that goes to the left. And we, oh, we checked down there. And there was nothing, it dead ends, and we're coming back. And there was a female moose and her two calves had come out of the bush mm-hmm. and were blocking our tr- our path back out to the bay. <laughs> and we had to sit there and just wait. And they slowly yeah. worked their way up and, um, that, you know, we could get around them and stuff like that. But yeah, there was tons. Hmm. It, w- it was phenomenal. I think the most moose I've seen at one time is I think three or four. Yeah. No, this was, this was, I, it's on one of the old funky videotapes i i see gotta see if i can um transfer that into some sort of electronic like super format yeah. <laughs> no not quite but you know the small little videotapes right super and, film uh, from when you're in your 50s <laughs> back in the 50s <laughs> um yeah i gotta see if i can get that and put it online but uh yeah was, yeah my buddy was like this is why you come up here and said well, i've never seen this before <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes this is why i come up here all the time I'm used to seeing like, you know, a dozen or more mergansers together. And yeah. for some reason, mergansers seem to have a, a large clutches of, uh, of babies. And, you know, other than that, I've never seen large amounts of animals all at once. Nope. We were on Ralph Bice Lake once and we saw a loon swim right under the canoe. Oh, yeah? On, yeah. And that was just wild. That would be... And then he did it again. Huh. And we were just... Uh, and of course, no one's got a camera at the time, right? Yeah. Because oh, I wish I had my camera out, and then he does it again. And you're like, really? And then you get your cameras out, and it never happens, yeah. right? But um, it's interesting. I've seen YouTube videos of, of uh, loons swimming underwater, and it's interesting. They they actually seem to fly under the water. Their wings are straight yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool to see that. Um, but yeah, the the moose and the wolf, and like I say, I've seen a couple of bears, um, bald eagles up on Shirley Bay. Uh, or uh, Shirley Lake, uh, An- Ancona Bay at the top end of Shirley Lake. Um, we saw a couple of bald eagles up there, and that was phenomenal. It's it's once in a while that I've seen it, but it's I've first time I saw it. Like first time I saw a bald eagle, it's like what? They're here. Yeah. It was always it was shocking. I know that uh, when I lived out in BC, it was very common. Like there's oh, a, yeah. there's a large hatching ground of, of bald eagles in British Columbia. It's one of the largest areas where you see bald eagle populations. Yeah. And so, uh, but in Ontario, I never thought I'd see one. So I was surprised. I saw one last year up on, um, where's the big radio observatory, that dish? Oh, up up in Algonquin there. Um, oh, I want to say Dixon. It's not Dixon. Yeah. Anyways, up there, it was on that lake. And I, uh, we were just paddling along and there. It was just standing on the shore watching us. And it's like. Oh, and they're big animals. Yeah. Those bald eagles are huge. Yeah. It's really shocking to see how big that they can be. Now, when you think of that, if you were afraid of bears, <laughs> think of what you wouldn't would have missed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my message is, you know what? Don't worry about the bears. Mm-hmm. Read, and- read up read up on bearwithus.org about understanding bears and get your butt out on the water and and see the animals that you can see. Yeah, find some way to cope with it. Some find some way to rationalize it, and just get out there and, and take the chance and enjoy the backcountry, enjoy the outdoors. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. 
I checked the mail today and Rapid Media has sent me my latest copies of Canoe Roots and Rapid Whitewater Magazine. And these episode, uh, episodes, these uh, editions came with the Paddling Trip Guide Annual. So this is the, I just, I was discovered this tonight when he showed me it. Uh, I, I find it really exciting, actually. It's a, it's a new format. Uh, Scott McGregor at Rapid Media, he's the, uh, he's the founder and publisher of Rapid Media. They, uh, he was taught, he talks about it in here. They normally do a round table, get to know you game and where they talk, they get everyone to share something interesting about themselves. And he talks about how people put themselves down or don't build themselves up enough. And the group gets together and say, oh, you're, you're this, you're that. And so one of the things that they said about him is that he, he's a gearhead and he doesn't really consider himself a gearhead, but he enjoys going tripping and to do tripping and enjoy it, he needs adequate or gear that meets his needs. So he doesn't think he's a gear gearhead. He just thinks he's a, you know, a really good tripper. But one of the things that he made note of as he made this realization is that people, it's not about how much gear you collect. It's how much time you spend out there. And so he talks about, uh, this realization and how he was thinking that people don't, when they tell stories about their trips and their experiences out there, they don't talk about their canoe, their paddle. And they said, you know, the Voyagers never sang or told stories about their paddles. And he realized that, uh, the, he, they do the, uh, the gear guide every year. And he said that he made the realization that they print these books about things to buy and, and not, they, he never really exclusively talked about, how people create memories and so he and his team have come up with this new concept what they call his book of dreams it's the paddling trip guide so this is the first annual and he said they're going to be continuing on this and so their annual book of dreams their annual paddling trip guide and it's uh this book of dreams as he calls it it's uh it's really interesting, the concept and what it is is instead of talking about gear and equipment it's how he's promoting or he's talking about potential future trips how you can promote future dreams or future memories or how you can he can get people more integrated into getting out there and enjoying their life and enjoying their dreams yeah i like the uh when you look at the cover um 85 perfect adventures and they list a number eight paddle with orcas uh, number 35, Canoe with Caribou. 62, Learn to Roll a Kayak. Uh, cuddle a Sloth in the Amazon. <laughs> cuddle a Sloth. I don't think I'd want to know. <laughs> Monster Redfish from a Kayak. Now, they've divided this book of dreams into uh, four sections. Kayaking, canoeing, whitewater, uh, whitewater kayaking, and, and I think there's canoeing in there as well. And kayak fishing. And I was surprised by the kayak fishing edition of this segment. Uh, I, I, I honestly didn't think that kayak fishing was that big of a thing. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. You see people and they got the rods, a couple of rods sticking off the back. And, the, <laughs> and the I see the pictures the and it shows and... pictures here. I never thought of a kayak as a, as a stable platform for fishing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, I, guess... I, used to use, I used to fly a fish out of my, uh, my canoe. Oh, yeah, I fish right. out of a canoe a lot, too. No, but... I, like fly fish. I used to stand up and fly fish out of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I guess you can do it in a kayak <laughs> as well. seems a little risky. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> um, but they cover, it is, I think, like 80, 90% Canada. Yes. But they talk about Wisconsin, Florida. They do touch on uh, Europe, North America. What is it, the... Uh... Whitewater kayaking there because there's a lot of uh, locations worldwide like Costa Rica, Greenland, where, exactly where whitewater is a huge thing. And anywhere yeah. where you see a big river with whitewater, it's it's going to draw people to it. So they talk about these potential dream locations and their your dream future trips, your book of adventure. And that's that's definitely what they're. I mean, when you're talking adventures, dream dream adventures, and I mean as a canoe tripper. A lot of people, oh, I'd love to go north and hit the Yukon rivers. And yes. The Nahani, um, you know, the Wind River, stuff like that. And they're in here. These are, those are, are part of 
these um, dream uh, routes, right? My dream adventure has always been the Yukon River, and here it is, a 16-day Yukon River trip. And what, the, I, what I like about it is that they don't just talk about, hey, Yukon River. They, what they actually talk about is potential packages that are set up through Outfitters. So, for example, the Yukon River, a 16-day trip, with out up north adventures, which is upnorthadventures.com. And it talks about just a brief paragraph description of the trip. You know, admire the vast wilderness surrounding you, enjoy the opportunity to see grizzly bear, wolf, moose, caribou, wolverine, mink, bald eagle, and beaver. They they really draw your interest into it in, in such a short, concise little section. And uh, so they they round their, their way across Canada and United States and, and uh, Europe. It's really interesting. I'm really excited about this new product that they've come up with. And it really gets my uh, my own book of dreams going, right? So sort of, I don't do bucket lists, but this is sort of thing where it's like, oh, this, this would be something somebody could add to their bucket list. Oh, definitely. And I mean, there's stuff that, I mean, you get to the Tomogamy Outfitting Company. I mean, Tomogamy is not that far from, from Toronto and that. No. And there's there's more than, I mean, you got Algonquin um, Outfitters and that in here. And it's not just massively long trips that are in here. No, there's just like a one-day self-guided trips for Algonquin Park. Yeah. Or a three-day self-guided trip or or guided trips. Yeah, and there's, there's stuff that you can do, you know, a couple of days. Uh, one day is, yeah, it's not these big, not everything in here is a 16 day trip. No, it covers everything. Yeah. And now the Madawaska Canoe Center you're going to. Uh, yes. In the whitewater section, they do talk about that and they, they list one, two, three, four different sections. Like there's a five day whitewater canoe. There's a weekend whitewater canoe clinic, kayak clinic. There's a women's whitewater retreat. And then the week of rivers canoe and kayak with the Madawaska Canoe Center. It's they they really fleshed this out. So the, their team has come together and really created this wonderful book of dreams that uh, really draws you into your future adventure. Yeah, and it's it's something for everybody. It's not just geared towards canoe trippers looking for a long long canoe trip. It's not just for kayakers looking for a bunch of white water. They've covered everybody and went from one coast right on over. Um, so if you don't, if you don't subscribe to Canoe Roots or pa- Rapid Media magazines, I suggest you go to paddlingtripguide.com or go to Rapid Media website, and they're going to have links to their book of dreams or their paddling trip guide. I suggest you check it out. I think next year is going to be even better. Absolutely. And now for our weekly update for upcoming events. Since 2006, the Real Paddling Film Festival has been showcasing the very best in paddling films. The tour screens in more than 120 cities around the world and may be coming soon to a location near you. On May 25th in Dayton, Ohio at the Neon, hosted by Massey Creek Paddlers and Tom Foolery Outdoors. On June 3rd in Huntsville, Ontario at the Algonquin Theatre. Sean from Paddling Adventures Radio will be there with the hosts of the night, Algonquin Outfitters. On June 4th, in Manchester, Tennessee, hosted by Manchester Coffee County Conference. On June 10th, Canmore, Alberta, at the Black Box Theatre, hosted by Sawback Alpine Adventure and Bow Valley Kayak Club. Visit realpaddlingfilmfestival.com for times and locations. Pacific Paddling Symposium, which is May 27th through 29th in Victoria, B.C., They call this symposium the Kayak Camp for Adults, where participants and instructors have the chance to connect and play. It brings together the sea kayaking community for an inspiring three-day experience that focuses on skills, education, leadership, heritage, safety, and camaraderie. Visit pacificpaddlingsymposium.ca for more details. Mountain Equipment Co-op Toronto Paddle Fest 2016 runs June 11th through 12th at the Sunnyside Beach in Toronto. Come out and find gear and get tips for stand-up paddleboard, kayaking, and canoeing. Meet fellow paddlers and demo anything that floats. Visit events.mec.ca for more information. The Boundary Waters Expo runs June 11th through 12th in Cook County, Minnesota. Your Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Adventure starts here. 
features speakers, exhibitors' gear demos, and a campfire discussion led by Cliff Jacobson. It is being held at the Seagull Lake Public Landing on the Gunflint Trail. Visit cookcounty.com for more details. National Paddling Week, June 10th through 19th. National Paddling Week wants to encourage as many Canadians as possible to get into a canoe, a kayak, or get onto a board and be counted during this extended week to show our national commitment to the fun, the benefit, and the challenge of paddling. Check paddleweek.ca for events near you. Paddlepalooza, June 24th, 8pm to 11pm at the Monarch Tavern in Toronto. Come out to the Monarch Tavern for live music and help raise funds to send youth on a canoe trip this summer. This event is in support of Project Canoe. Go to canoe.org and look under events for more details. And finally, National Canoe Day in Canada. On June 26th, people and groups across Canada come together on or around June 26th every year to celebrate canoeing and paddle sports. How will you be celebrating? Visit nationalcanoeday.net for more details. You've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more information, you can find us on the web at paddlingadventuresradio.com. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.